podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush and we're determined to get our Old Norwich back. We'll be talking current matches and looking back at the glory times of being a Canary fan. Coming up, how's your October going so far? Middling, like Norwich's? Mount Everest is apparently in Stamford Bridge and it's episode 27, our greatest ever team continues to come together. So far in central midfield, in the team or on the bench, we've got Peters, Crook and Phelan. Who could replace them? So October, we said was make or break, Dad. Uh, A win and a draw away and a very disappointing home defeat. Uh, Fair to Midland uh, is my description so far. Yeah, I think um, there seems to be two points of view. Um, First one, we we went nine games undefeated, 10 if you include that League Cup one, um, which we lost on penalties. Uh, we're always got to lose sometimes, second in the table, so no worries. That's one point of view. The second, the other, or the second point of view is lack of control and composure in games, not playing like a promotion side. Last four games, just one point from two at home, five points from four games. In total, failed to outscore the opponents. Mm. Um, and, um, you know, we're just not looking like a promotion side. So, I think I can see both points of view. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I think you can be pessimistic or you can still remain optimistic. It feels like we're going through a bit of a, a, a different spell. I think maybe teams have worked, and we talked about this in the last episode, teams have maybe worked out how we want to play and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and are closing us down. I thought particularly against Reading with their two banks of four, uh, even five in, in midfield, we, we and, and they literally sat off us that we really struggled to break through them but I I really wonder whether um, it's more that we've changed again uh, the way that we're trying to bring players on and again in the last episode we talked about Josh Sargent not being as effective as part of a front three and so Smith's moved him into a front two with Pukki now I think that ultimately he scored obviously uh, against yeah. uh, against Preston so you would say that that was the right decision he remains our, our top scorer but then you only then playing effectively um Ramsey in the hole and then you've got Liam Gibbs who I still think was outstanding against Reading um and I, I haven't seen it as much against Preston but watched the Reading game and I thought he w- he was brilliant to have back but he's on his own in the central midfield rather yeah. than having Nunes right next to him and I think Nunes on the right wing is effectively what's happened with Sargent, which is he's less effective. So Nunes is not part of the game. I didn't think he was part of the Reading game. And I think you said that you, you thought he, he faded badly in, in the in the Preston game. So was, I, yeah, really inconsistent. I, I mean, I thought your point about Sargent, I thought Sargent probably looked our best player on, on Saturday. And, I, and so I don't think that's the wrong decision, but you can't play, I don't think you can play one midfielder in the middle. Uh, because I think you get swamped by it, and I think you get exposed. Yeah, and, and having yeah. swamp and having then Nunes and, Mc, and McLean. You know, McLean's not my favourite player anyway. I think we're we're just opening ourselves up to be beaten in in midfield too much, and yeah, and ultimately he has to make a decision of who his main striker is, and I think he's hedging his bets by having two up top, and I'm and I'm not sure Pookie 
is is quite playing the Pookie of old. I mean, you said he missed an absolute uh, sitter of a chance to go 2-0 th- up. Yeah, I, I mean, chances... I think he had a couple on Saturday that um, he would... He's always missed a few chances, to be fair, hasn't he, John? Yeah. But um, I think normally you would have expected him to have um, scored one of them. But I think that game on Preston, really, a game against Preston, it wasn't any different to any, all the other games. Right. A game we... we for, a lot of the time we had a lack of control and composure in possession. We give teams other chances. The only difference was, in this instance, Preston took three of them. Yeah. <laughs> and and ultimately, as we know in the championship, because we've done it, is if you outscore the opposition, you win the matches. Yes. And, and yes. to be fair, against Bristol City, they had chances, but they gave us two goals at the start, yes. as we said in the last yes. episode. So you're absolutely right that, the Preston match, you could have looked at the, the Bristol City match and it was exactly the same. And you could have looked at the Coventry match uh, before that. And and that that's where the home question marks come, doesn't it? Because, yeah. you know, it's yeah. all very well. And ultimately, look, it doesn't matter if you lose your home games, if you're winning away. But if you're trying to build a team and build a club, then you need your 27, 28,000 fans who are coming every week at home to be entertained and feel yeah. and feel like part of it. Because if not, every time you lose at home, which happened on Saturday, you get the, well, he's not good enough, let's get rid of him. Uh, and, and that whole pessimistic argument what, from what you were saying, uh, you know, even I've heard it down here is, you know, it, it became, is Dean Smith really going going places? And, yeah, I, I, and, yeah. I, and I think, you know, he's been at the club for a year. Um, we talked about make or break October. We've had three games, um, eight, eight games in October, five of them away. We've we've won and drawn away. So actually, the next few games, you would hope us that, that we could go back to, to some kind of form. But when you're talking Watford with a new manager, Luton, Sheffield yeah. United, who aren't playing very well either, but they're at the top, and then Burnley, who, who are going to be there or thereabouts just because of the power that they have, like Norwich and, and Sheffield United and Watford, who've been in the Premier League recently. They're all in the next fortnight. Those four games are in the next fortnight and that is yeah. go- uh, and and to be honest by the next episode i think we'll be able to decide whether which side of the argument we're probably on yeah i i think you're right if you look at saturday's game john you, you know we're playing saturday evening yes it's ridiculous i said to a, a watford fan who obviously down here uh, yesterday who i was talking to and i was like why are we playing at 7:45 on a saturday night and he said well the only thing i can come up with is that we're both former premier league teams and a Saturday night is a good option for Sky to show two effectively Premier League teams. But yeah, it's it's a it seems a very strange time to be having a football yeah match. yeah. But the point the point about that is it'll only take Queens Park Rangers to get a point at Luton at lunchtime. Yeah, Burnley and Reading to win at home, and we will start that game in fifth position. Right. Okay. Yeah. And 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 then if you don't win, if if you don't win or get a point at Watford, if you lose that game, um, the, that puts the pressure on that Luton game at home, which is not going to be easy, is it? Well, no. Certainly, our our home form. If you if you if you're winning, as I've said, we've won and drawn away in in October. If if you then don't start picking up wins away or or results away, then the pressure comes back on home, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, a few yeah. a few quick questions, Sam Byram. I think we've kind of worked out that he can't play left back ultimately. And actually it's beginning to expose us, isn't it? Yeah. And he was lucky to stay on the field on Saturday in the first half. He, it was a, it was a bad tackle. Um, I think the referee, he got a yellow card, I think, but it was, he was lucky to stay on. 
Um, and then he was substituted at half time, they said, with a hip problem. So whether that's a longer term thing, we'll see. Um, the interesting thing with that, John, it's funny you should mention that because I don't think Max Aarons is having a good time either. I mean, whether it's because um, Smith prefers him to be more defensive. Mm. So I was going to say to you, um, once we get a fit left back, is it going to be Sam Byram or Max Aarons at right back? <laughs> well, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, you've got to, you've got to give Byram the chance to play in his proper position. But I just think yes. I, I think he's his mistakes are, are, are really plain in the last few weeks um, in the position that he's in. Uh, Ramsey as well. I think he came in and 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 looked like he was going to offer something different. But I think really was anonymous against Reading and and Preston. That's right. I, I mean, it was it was about 20, 25 minutes in, um, and I hadn't noticed him. No, and that was in that was in really the good spot. I, I mean, it may well to be fair that I just I didn't I didn't pick up his his um, part in the initial fifteen minutes when we were very good. But um, yeah, I, I, it, he was anonymous. Yeah, you're you're, you're right. Um, so, and the other thing I was going to say to you about that. The subs, you know, we, we've praised um, Smith for his substitutions, but the last few games, he just seems to be reeling out Darrell, Sonani and Hernandez without any real plan behind it. Yeah, and and not giving anybody else an option to, to, to mix it up as well. No. I mean, the, no. There, is, there, are, there are options on the bench. Obviously, Hugo stayed and um, hasn't, hasn't had a look in for a few weeks. And you can argue, well, Josh Sargent and Pookie keep scoring, but... Again, ten minutes from the end, is he someone that you you bring on? Um, obviously, Campwell's been been out and will come back at, at some point. Can Nunes play in the hole? You, I think you've got to start mixing it up a little bit. Yeah, and I think yeah. throwing on Hernan. I mean, again, Hernandez against Reading. I mean, ultimately, he, he goes on the I think at the left hand side, puts his head down, tries to beat someone, never does. And I, I'm I'm not sure what. Again, I'm not sure he's any better than he was two or three years ago. No, I don't. I don't think he is. And that, and and I think as we've seen before, um, after a few games, he seems to be, become even less and less effective. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, absolutely. The, the positive point about the Preston game was um, Sarah Gabriel Sarah came on in the second half, scored a very good goal, and um, and I mean, and that was quite encouraging. So it's what you um, what you're saying, John. It, it probably is a need to um, to shake it up. The other question that seems to be on people's minds is it cruel or angus i mean has cruel i i haven't seen cruel make any particular glaring errors i actually think he's had quite a good season um but you've seen more of the live games than i have personally i i'm not sure changing your goalkeeper at this sort of time is a is 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 a good move and whether that make a great deal of difference yeah on i mean on on saturday i mean first of all um, the first goal. I mean, the the fact that um, uh, that their forward had a free header. I mean, what on a Delhi and um, Aaron's were doing, I don't know. Um, there was there's just not. Uh, you, you know, they always say, don't if you can't if you can't win the ball, put the player off. Yes. Well, nobody was close to him. Yeah. Um, with the header. Um, so that. But then the second goal, and that was down at the uh, the the Barclay end, John, and Cruel played the ball out to to Aaron's. Um, it wasn't a particularly good ball, and Aaron's and 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 Gibbs both left it, and I, all I saw was our two players and let someone letting uh, a player go through. So that right. that was a a bad error. Now, how much that was Cruel, and how much that was um, 
uh, Aaron's or Gibbs. I don't know. I I did read one report that Cruel did get on to Gibbs about it, but um, and then the third girl again down the Barclay end, and they 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 got a bit of space, and there was a a, a deflection. Some people said Cruel um, got his hands to it and should have uh, prevent went in at his near post and should have stopped it. So um, that has started this. Well, um, did Ang- Angus Gunn? Uh, at the end of last season, had a good run, and then um, and and then hasn't had a chance in the league this season. But uh, um, I think this, th- I think there is an element to that. But I'm not sure that this is necessarily the best time to change your goalkeeper. And um, well, not when you when you've got Cruel Hanley and Omar Dambelli who who are effectively there and and always there at the moment. It does seem a bit. A- a bit like you don't want to leap too soon. Look, if he's making no. if he's making glaring errors all the time, yeah. and he's not doing what Smith I mean, Smith must be the one who's telling him to pass it out. I feel it's unlikely he's going to bring Gun back just yet. It feels a bit early, but week in week out, if you're going to make if you're going to make some decisions and make some mistakes, then we we need to look at that. We're coming up to nearly halfway through, and we we haven't mentioned yet about Stuart Weber, who potentially could be on his way to Chelsea. What's all this about? Yes, John. I mean, I, th- I think Chelsea are looking for a, a sporting director. I think, as we've said, they've got a technical director. I think they've now got a re- recruitment director. <laughs> How many directors do you need? But um, I think generally, I, c- I can't get too excited about this. I mean, clearly, Weber is at the stage in his career when he's looking for other challenges. Um, they The speculation is he'll take it if he gets offered it. Um and I think probably it'll be the right move. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I can't say when I saw it. I think it was on. I saw it in the Sun and the Mail yesterday, quite early on in the day when um, before we were recording this podcast. So yeah, he he was always going to leave. He wanted to leave, and he only stayed because he didn't have any offers. That's so, right. Uh, now, yeah. if I'm a Chelsea fan, and as I say, you mentioned, I think they're looking at Joe Shields, director of recruitment from Southampton, to come in. Uh, they have also got a new technical uh, director, uh, as you as you say. Um, I think they're also looking. At, at um, other people on, on as well as Stuart Webber, I would be amazed if he goes to Chelsea. But I can he he will go. I mean, if he's offered the job, you you would go. It's it's exactly yeah. the same as why Graham Potter left Brighton to go to Chelsea. You don't turn down yeah. the chances. To and hasn't he started well? Yeah. yeah, and and you can't argue that Chelsea seems like it's going in a different direction from the the time under the the Russian owner um, yeah. Abramovich, and and they're going to do it differently. So it may be it may work out perfectly well for him, but we all knew that he's going to leave Norwich, and wh- whether and, and whether probably... he left that sooner rather than later, he's going to leave. Yeah, and and I think it's 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 not a bad time for a change what he always said and it will be interesting to see if he keeps it that that he would never leave delia and michael in the lurch Mm. and i think what that meant was that he would um before he left he he would want to be make sure that they had someone there to replace him yeah Uh, and that will be interesting to see how uh, that works out because i think to be be fair i know i i I know they've now got the American on the board, but he's presumably not going to have a lot of knowledge of um, sporting directors in this country. Um, so um, we don't um, want to end up we, with someone like Jesse Marsh. That's right. We do. We do badly need. I think probably Dealer and Michael will need some help in finding a replacement. To put yeah. It quite on it. yeah. Unless they bring in Neil Adams, of course. 
which would be a, a pretty safe bet and and and, slightly, yeah. and slightly uninspiring. Anyway, this yeah. is this is the new old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on uh, than Splendid Rush, and we're into episode twenty-seven. Uh, the greatest ever team continues to come together. Martin Peters, Mike Phelan, and Ian Crook are sitting happily on the bench or in the uh, starting eleven uh, as we speak from a central midfield point of view. But we, we we talked a lot about Ian Crook in the last episode, last couple of episodes, um, and he and he's he's forced his way into our thinking uh, because of the stats that that you dug out uh, last week. But there are some other big name players who were key, Dad, at the end of the uh, the 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 late eighties and early nineties in the, in the heyday of Norwich City. Yes, John. Just just um, just before I do that, though, I thought it was interesting how um, since those days how the hierarchy of um, British football is changing. I was looking at the foot fixtures for this Saturday mm. and on BBC Sports, they start off with the fixtures with the Premier League, then the FA Women's Super League, the Scottish Premiership and the Championship. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think that's an indication really of how the, how, how the game is changing. Anyway, yeah, back to the um, midfielders. Yeah, the first one um, I've got is Rob Newman. 205 appearances, 14 goals. He came in that season when we 91-92 when we got to the semi-final of the FA Cup. Yeah. Um, the season we were third in the Premier League, and then the the the, the season in Europe. Um, and I think I mean I mean I rem- I always liked him. Um, uh, obviously he was a he, he could score goals and he could defend and boy could we do with a player like him now, John? <laughs> yeah. So Dave Stringer actually brought him in didn't he yes um and he but he was a bit we didn't really know where to play him i don't think no and mike no, he was then... a bit of a utility player really but he he, he he certainly started off with us in midfield but he and 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 towards the end i think it was probably after the um the the european run he sort of did did sit back in the defense as well but um so i personally i don't think he he comes into the top tier but i thought he was just sort of worth a mention because he was quite an important player again a, an important time for us he played a crucial part in munich as well he did yeah and as part yeah, of the, that, that those, European those years he was a, he was quite a big player in that team wasn't he yeah i think he was and i think he was he was uh as you say a, a leader in, in in some ways second john today is um Jeremy Goss, of course. We're talking about players who played an important role at that time and mm. um, no more so um, against Munich than Jeremy Goss. 188 appearances, 14 goals. Actually, he was with us for 13 years, but it was mainly in that 91-92 season and under Walker that he played most of his games. He played about 70% of the games um, over those, um, those three seasons. Didn't he win? Scored the... some cracking goals, of course. So you, let's look at his career slightly, because as you say, he was there for thirteen years, and one hundred and eighty-eight games is is, is nothing. For, yeah. For that. Well, nineteen eighty-three, he was part of the um, youth, the youth side that yeah. won the um, FA Youth Cup under Dave Stringer. Yeah, and and that's where I certainly remember him, and he was he was absolutely integral to to that team and and then i remember him just being in the reserves you know when we used to have reserves yes yeah and yeah. He, he was always he, the reserve games were always in the week weren't they and yes. i can always remember looking at the team in the pink and afterwards or whatever and it was like oh jeremy goss plays there uh, but he never 
got anywhere near the first team, or if he did, he was a bit irrelevant. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I suppose what you've got to look at in those late 80s, when we were talking about people were covered like Tim Sherwood, yeah. Townsend, Phelan, Crook. <laughs> he had hell of a competition, didn't he? And do you think also that there is this argument that some players and some sportsmen, it doesn't just need to be football, actually mature and get better actually later on in life? Yes. And yeah, so, yes, yeah. He, he was obviously very good as a youth player. Yeah, because but, but he's part of that youth side. Yeah, but from a, from a Norwich point of view... Because you, you mentioned all those players. They kept coming in. They kept buying these new players. And if uh, he it's amazing now that he sat there and, and kind of accepted it. Um, yeah. But he began to play for Wales. I remember when he started playing for Wales. Because um, he was born in Cyprus, I think. So he could choose his home nation that you could, right. you could represent. Yeah. And I remember him starting. Well. So he became an international player as as, as well while at, while at Norwich. So you can see why he stayed. Because he was he was happy and he was he was doing it. But yeah. I, th- I think now, I'm not sure people would stay at a club for 13 now, years. Now, I think it, that probably says a lot about his temperament as well, doesn't it? That he was prepared to... Yeah. To de- It may well be as well in those days, he didn't get a lot of offers. Not not at that level that we were playing at, because we were a, a top-flight side, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. And if you and perhaps he didn't want to go down to the lower divisions. Yeah, and you go down to the lower divisions and, and get lost, potentially, um, yeah. from, from, from days gone by. So, yeah, so he really burst onto the scene... Really, must have been with Walker. That's what I think. I'm not sure he ever, despite winning that youth cup with with Stringer, he he, he was yeah. Never... He came into he, he did play a few more games in ninety one ninety two when that squad was a bit more stretched by then, wasn't it? When we um, yes, that that and that last year of uh, um, Stringer, we didn't have really a great time in the league. But um, yeah, he came in then, and, and but that was really under Walker. And I mean. Those games against Munich, I mean, the goal he scored over there and the one in front of us or at the Barkley end, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the roof just went off, didn't it? Yeah. And and against Vitez Arnhem. Yeah. As well. Um, and, then and then taking and then it into the goals... Premier League season where... Yeah, because he scored, he scored at the um, cop end, didn't he? In the... The, he's the last person to have ever scored a goal yeah. at, at Anfield in front of the standing cop. Standing cop, yeah. <laughs> um, which was which is a great um, uh, claim to have, isn't it? And that goal against Leeds yes. at Elland Road. I mean, the cross from, I think it was Sutton and Fox were involved in the build-up as well. In in, in, in today's world, they would have assists for that. Goodness knows what that means. Yeah. <laughs> they, look, they just crossed the ball. They were just involved in the build-up. And, yeah, they were happy to be. Yeah, yeah and, and Jeremy Goss was the person who actually banged the ball in the back of the net. I, I've no idea how you just how anyone could be credited for a pass when it's the person who actually then does something with it that actually <laughs> scores a goal. I, what, what is it about assists? It's, it's complete nonsense, assists. It, it's, a, it's totally irrelevant <laughs> <laughs> to to actually whether you score a goal or not because you can you can create as much as you want you could have yeah you can do a great pass and someone mess it up can't yeah you? or it can f- come off your backside like the referee in Reading for Phil yeah. Mole, uh, for Phil Mulrine I mean that that referee would get an assist these days <laughs> uh, it's it, it, it's 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 farcical but that goal from Jeremy Goss uh, again, people love Leeds. stats John. People love stats. Well, they need, they need to get a life, frankly, <laughs> in, in my opinion. Yes, count how many goals people scores, but not how many assists, because uh, it's pointless. <laughs> but Jeremy Jeremy Goss, some great goals. Um, that volley against Munich was was absolutely outstanding, um, of course. And and he just became the face of our club for a couple of years, didn't he? he? And 
And if you think about it, John, I mean, we, and we keep repeating this, this was when we were playing at the top level. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and actually higher than we'd ever played before. We were playing in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. The likes of Bayern Munich, the likes of Inter Milan. I know we, yeah. I know we, I know we lost to them, but gee, I mean, it, it's crazy. Inter Milan and about to knock Barcelona out of the Champions League this season. <laughs> So. And now we're playing in the fourth tier under the BBC Sports Order. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, I, I, to, 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 to go to your point earlier about yeah, I, I think that's. I, I'm not sure it's a it's a, a reflection of what most people, football fans think in this country, but it's the, it's what they want. To, it's what they uh, are, are now telling us that we need to think about. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> the last midfielder we just want to cover today is um, is just Gary Mason, and I'm only just mentioning Gary Mason. He only made 46 appearances for a one goal. But again, in that team, what an important role he played because he was the workhorse, wasn't he, as well? Yeah. Alongside Goss. Yeah, yeah. He came in again into that team. And I think what Gary Megson brought to the team, Dad, from what you said and all the people you've mentioned in this podcast and we talked about in the last episode, your Townsend and Sherwood, that Gary Megson made us better. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yes, yeah. he only played 46 times, but boy, did he make us better. And I'm not sure... Yeah when you start looking at some of the other players in the next century and, and, and signings that we've made in, 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 re, in recent times, I remember either, either, you know, just Nigel Worthington buying Simon Charlton for that season that we had in the Premier League in, two, in 2005. He didn't make us better. He no, no, quite. Yeah. I'm not saying he was a bad footballer, because he wasn't, but he didn't make us any better than what we had. But Gary Megson made us better, I think, in yeah. the field. No, I think that's, that is a good point, yeah. And then finally, before in the next episode we move on to this century midfielders, I just want to mention the possibly the best midfielder we never had. Do you remember when we were doing the managers? I mentioned Martin O'Neill and uh, if, if, if he'd have stayed. Yes. Well, this is about Robbie Earl. I'm sure you remember him, John. But in 1991, Dave Stringer brought in Darren Beckford from Port Vale. That's right, yeah. And he also wanted to bring in Robbie Earl from the same club. Yeah. They... Earl and uh, Beckford had played together there, but we didn't get him, whether it was because Robert Chase just didn't have the funds or wasn't prepared to go the further mile. But Beckford then, a striker, never really lived up to expectations. Mm. But Earl, an attacking midfielder, spent nine seasons with Wimbledon, helping to keep them in the top flight, scoring 59 goals in 284 appearances. The question I was just going to put to you, John, was... If Stringer had purchased him as well as Beckford, what a difference he would have made in the 1990s to Norwich's future. Yeah, and I, I remember it, it happening that the, the two of them were, were setting the uh, the lower leagues alight. Beckford, they and were, Earl, they were, and obviously we know now a lot of Beckford's goals <laughs> were, were because of Robbie Earl. Well, because of Robbie Earl's assists. No, yes. Because, <laughs> <laughs> they they played well together. They just had a chemistry. They, yeah, they had that that relationship. That was the Buendia Pukey relationship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where it becomes literally second nature, and you know exactly what what's going on. So yeah, yeah. I but think when you think of what happened to us in the nineteen nineties, John, if he'd have came then, um, yeah, but he, he possibly would have stayed a premier team yeah, a lot longer but you but you can't take away that we we still had europe we still had that without robbie earl so yeah, I, I agree i agree with you in 1989 when we were trying to sign him of course for a couple of years we, we you know although we got to a semi-final as we know in 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 
1992 that we weren't as quite as good as we had been up to no no up to that point and i think that was the that was the key it would have been great to have had robbie earl with with darren beckford i wonder if darren beckford will appear in our greatest strikers list (laughs) in a a few episodes time i I think i'm not sure he'd be in the list I think he, I, 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 oh, bless him. Oh, no, there's, there's definitely, there's another striker that would never be in the list in Dean Coney. But, um, yeah, quite. I, so I was going to say he'd go the same way as Dean Coney. Yeah, oh, bless him. <laughs> Absolutely bless him. Right, um, so in the next episode, we'll look ahead to the, 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 the next century, effectively. Yes, of midfielders. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you can get in touch on Facebook or Twitter, John Cushing, Peter Cushing. You can find us, uh, have your opinion uh, on any of that. And if you want to pick me up on assists, then that's fine uh, too. So we are halfway through October. It is a make or break October. Let's hope we're not broken by the end of the month. This is the new Old Norwich, the podcast that's more steady on than Splendid Rush. Podcast Network.